I don't know all that's being accomplished and I don't need to, but I'm telling you right now, there are some tremendous things that are happening in the spiritual realm in Jesus' name. And so I'm glad you're here. I'm glad people are online with us. I am just so optimistic about what God is doing in this hour in Jesus' name. And so keep that in mind. Do you have people that need God in your life? Do you have relatives, people that you know that they, they've really got to come to this kind of thing in Jesus' name? Why don't we take about 30 seconds and just lift up our hands and present that to God? You can even mention them by name. I believe that the Lord is pleased about that. Praying for others is the will of God. There's a special kind of healing that comes when we just get out of ourselves and we pray for somebody else and say, God, I want you to do this for them. I'm not even thinking of myself right now. I don't even want to think about myself. I want you to be the preeminence first of all, and then I want you to do something special for somebody. Oh yes, Lord, I feel that right now. I sense that in the name of Jesus, that that's happening right here in this place. <laughs> wow, wow, the prayers of the saints. Wow, never underestimate it in Jesus' name. Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful God that we serve. Oh, Lord Jesus, that's right. You told us we could come boldly, boldly to the throne of grace. That's not arrogance, God. That is confidence. And so we do. We have confidence, the utmost confidence in you, in Jesus' name. And Lord God, I'm so thankful, so grateful for this. Lord, I am I, I'm just absolutely confident in what you are doing, how you're doing it. Help us not to get ahead of you, God. And for, for God forbid that we'd ever get behind you, Lord, or, or down the road. Let us just walk right beside you. You said, how can two walk together unless they agree? So God, let there be agreement in this place. God, if there's questions that we have about doctrine, don't let us try to go off on our own tangents. Help us, Lord God, to see clearly through Scripture that what your Word says, Lord God, and let us accept it. You told us we could accept with meekness the engrafted word that is able to save our soul. And God, I believe that's happening right here, right now in Jesus' name. And what an exciting time to be a part of the kingdom of God in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, 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 Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Can you just lift up your voices one more time before you're seated? Come on, just clap your hands. Come on, just give God praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, what a master. What a master in Jesus' name. What a powerful God we serve in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. Amen in Jesus' name. You can be seated. The Lord bless you today in Jesus' name. Last Sunday I stood here with just my wife and I, and we had a good service. We did. And, and you know, where there's two or three gathered in His name, Bible says he's in the midst, so we can we can have we know that. But boy, it's good to have people come that are of precious of of the same precious faith, and not that we're better than anybody else, but we are privileged. Don't ever forget that, folks. We are privileged people, in Jesus' name. And I I am just absolutely um, ecstatic about what God is doing in Jesus' name. Let me just um, just kind of meander here a little bit. There's several things that I know the Lord wants to accomplish through His Word, and so I'm 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 believing that will happen. I really do. I just feel very 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 um, just late in the, in the spirit today in Jesus' name, and I appreciate this. Um, again, we 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 want you to know that we're we. Try to take standards against the, you know, the COVID thing. We're trying to be safe. We're trying to help as many people as we can. And, 
And all we ask you is if you feel or you have some of those symptoms, please just stay home. You know, you can listen to us online. We're not telling you not to come. We're just saying it would be better for everybody if we could try to contain this. And I don't know when it's going to go away. I don't know if it ever will. There'll probably be something again this fall. Boy, that's a prophet of doom, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, but there just will. And, and, and there are just things in life that we've got to continually rise to the challenge of. Sickness and disease is not going to be eradicated until Jesus comes back. It's not. That's why people are, even people that don't want to live for God during the millennium period are going to be living for a thousand years. You wonder why that is? Because they're going to be healthy. There's not going to be disease. There's not going to be sickness. But you see, right now, we have to deal with that. And I'm not here to say I dwell on it all the time. I'm just saying that we have to take precautions, love our brothers and sisters, and just be safe. And so this is all we're asking you to do. I'm not going to get political. I'm going to tell you, you better do this or you better do that. I'm just making decisions based upon my family. And I know you are too, and I'm trying to be a, a good Christian when I come here. So just keep those things in mind. We're not shutting down the church. We're not going to do that. But we are going to take safety precautions. So think about it in Jesus' name. I want you to think about a scripture here. This is just seed that I'm going to throw out now for just a few minutes. And then I'm going to go into a thought here in, in just a few minutes. But 2 Timothy chapter number 2. Timothy's uh, epistles are deep um, because they're written um, uh, primarily to the ministry pastoral epistles is what they call them but I believe the saints can glean a tremendous amount from them and so that's why I'm using it today to kind of launch from in Jesus name second Timothy chapter number two and uh, the Bible says there in verse number uh, 19 um, one of the things I'm kind of getting in the middle of a thought here but I think it'll 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 raise some um, some thoughts in your mind it says nevertheless the foundation of God's standeth sure having this seal the Lord knoweth them that are his and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity um, iniquity could could be defined in some circles as self-will yeah it's what I want to do how I want it to happen that type of thing and we're none of us are eradicated from that we have that disease See, sickness isn't just COVID. <laughs> we have some fallen diseases that we've got to come to terms with. And so everybody that names the name of the Lord needs to depart from that kind of stuff. And that's going to have to happen on a regular basis, okay? That's not saying you, just you, or any, that's all of us. And then it says, look at this, I want you to think about this. It says, but in a great house, everybody say a great house. It says there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and earth and some to honor and some to dishonor. For years I pondered that and said, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, well, gold and silver are going to last a whole lot longer than wood and earth. And so if you want to just have a temporary blessing and you want to just be part of something for a while until something a little better comes along in your mind, have at it, but not me. I'm in this for the long haul. I want gold and silver. I'm not talking about the stuff that we spend. I'm talking about in my life. I want God to really do a work in me on a regular basis. And that's not me pushing you out of the way. Because there's plenty of room at the cross in Jesus' name. So think about that. We're, I'm going to talk about that here in just a little while. And it says, If a man therefore purge himself from these, in verse 21, he shall be a vessel unto honor. That's my goal. Amen. Not just make it to heaven. 
Not just make it in the rapture, although that, that is a big goal of mine. I want to be a vessel that God can invest in. I want to be a vessel that he can just literally pour stuff into me because he, he knows that I, I won't just hoard it. I won't just, you know, uh, put it in some little wealthy little bank somewhere and, and spend it on myself, but I will invest it in others in Jesus' name. And some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. That's why that three-step process is going on in your life right now. By faith, you are justified. When you have faith in God, immediately God begins to justify you. That doesn't mean you're okay and nothing, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're perfect and all that. It just means the process has started, the faith process. And then sanctification comes along, which means we become pure or we become more like Him. The only way we can ever become like God is to be pure. We can't do enough good works to be like Him. So we have to have pure minds. We have to let God do that for us on a regular basis. And then eventually, we're going to be glorified. We're going to have a glorified body. Isn't that a beautiful promise? I think somebody ought to lift their hand right now and thank God for that. That is an awesome promise. That's what God does in Jesus' name. And so, hopefully today, with God's help, I, I will be able to distinct something in your life. Praise God. Distinguish, I guess, something in your life. Listen to this. I come across this article years ago, and I thought it was a pretty good one. A few years before Christ was born, Julius Caesar led his Roman army across the English Channel. It says, as the Romans fought their enemy, the ancient British warriors did something very strange. They would fight a few minutes and then retreat swiftly only to return to the battlefield in a few minutes and fight again. So you get the picture? They'd go, in, they'd go into battle, they'd fight, and then they'd retreat. And um, as the historian says, this, this process was repeated over and over again. Well, after witnessing this a few times, the Roman army understood what was happening. Finally, they figured it out, you know. The Romans fought with swords of tempered steel, while the British fought with swords of bronze, a softer metal. A few minutes of fighting and the bronze swords were bent, and the British were forced to retreat and to straighten out their swords before they could fight again. So you get in the process now? It's not that they lost their will to fight. It's just that they were fighting with inferior gear. And they were literally, and, and as history will tell you, they were no match to the Romans. They were no match. Now listen to me, folks. I, I believe in the spiritual realm, that's where some of you are at. You're fighting with bronze. And it's not that you don't have a will to fight. You don't have a will to go into a prayer room or do some things for God. But God wants to put some tempered steel in your life. God wants to put a weapon in your hand, praise God, that can, that can really, really do something. The scripture is very plain when it says, the weapons of my warfare are not carnal. That's bronze. But mighty through God to the, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now I know that's a mouthful. That's um, 2 Corinthians 10, 3, and 5, 3 through 5. And that is a, quite a scripture. But I'm telling you right now, somebody's ready to launch into that. Amen. And it doesn't mean that you're going to, you know, you're, 
you know, you're going to become this rich and all of this. No, you're going to become that vessel of honor that God wants you to be in Jesus' name. And so you must understand, praise God, that this was a very, very, very vital, vital thing in, in the economy of war back in, in the... See, today we've lost, we've lost that. And I'm not here to say that's bad, but we don't fight wars like that anymore. We got people, and I mean our good brother here um, could attest to that. We got people in rooms that are pushing buttons. And my goodness, bombs are going off and that type of thing. And I mean, wars are fought a whole lot different than they, than they were back then. Back then, it was a lot of it, or the vast majority of it was hand-to-hand combat. And I'm not saying that that doesn't happen at all in the world again, but not as much as it used to. And so this is what you and I must understand. The weapons of our warfare or our warfare has not changed. You and I sometimes have to get involved in some hand-to-hand combat. And in order for us to do that, we're going to have to have the right things in our hands. You know, the Scripture is very plain when it says, the sword of the Spirit, praise God, which is the Word. Amen. That's why, you know, you reading your Bible and studying your Bible on a regular basis, please don't quit doing that. Don't take extended vacations from that. You really do yourself an injustice. What happens is you have a tendency, like most of us, to pick up some bronze. To start depending on your you know, good looks or good works or wealth or whatever the case is. And all that is is bronze. That stuff is going to bend. But the stuff that God gives us, oh my God goodness. I'm telling you right now, it can last. It can stand the test in Jesus' name. And I'm telling you right now, God is, is wanting to do that in Jesus' name. Now, if you study the history of the Bible like I do, and I don't, I'm not an authority on it. I'm not, I, never, I, I don't think I could live long enough in this life for that. But I become more and more familiar with the things of God. And the Old Testament teaches you a lot. There was like three times in the Old Testament it mentions the word smith. And that's kind of special to me. You want to know why? Because my grandmother's and grandfather, or my grandmother's on my mother's side, her name maiden name was Smith. And you got to understand, a lot of times back in you know a few hundred years ago, or maybe even longer than that, they name people things. You know, you understand when you talk about a Smith. Does anybody remember? There's there's goldsmiths. There's silversmiths. Coppersmiths, blacksmiths. Being a smith was a very, very important job a couple of hundred years ago. Again, these are all things that we've forgotten because we don't even know anything. I mean, we don't know a whole lot of this stuff. But this stuff really, really, really does teach us a lot. And there were times, especially one time when Saul came into power, you know, one of the things the Philistines would do, and I've seen this throughout history, you know, where a, where a country or, or a nation will come in and conquer a nation. And what they'll do is, is they'll come back and they'll let people that take care of the land stay there. They'll let farmers come in. They'll let people, you know, start creating an economy and things of that nature. But they take away their weapons. See, the United States did that to the Japanese. And after World War II, that's literally what we did. We came in and said, listen, we're going to give you a limited amount, but we're never going to give you that stuff that, you know, that would create wars. And I'm not saying right, wrong, or, what, or indifferent. I'm just saying in the spiritual realm, sometimes that's what happens. You get praying for things. You want things in your life right now. And the devil isn't stupid. Sometimes he'll just go ahead and let you have them. He'll let you have some wealth. He'll let you have some good times and good vacations and drive nice cars. But I'm going to tell you something. He don't want you to have any of those weapons. Not against him. 
Now, come on, I can tell right now that there's a lot of you right now thinking real hard right now, and that's good. Let your brain really begin to churn on this in Jesus' name, and God will give you some recourse. He's going to give you something that you can do in the name of Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something, it's not that hard. It's just that you and I must understand what it is, praise God. From, uh, this is part of the article. It says, for many years, the most common name in America has been Smith. Yeah. And as with other names, such as Carpenter, Turner, or Baker, people named Smith were once associated with, a, with an occupation. Ancient Smiths were metal fabricators. That's what they did, you know, for a living. And the Jews believed that Smiths were literally gifts from God. That's what they believed. They believed that these were things that God gave them so they could defend their land, so they could build tools, so they could do things. Praise God. Now, you must understand, you know, that, that God created the smith. He created the person who could breathe fire into coals. Praise God. And you know what the, uh, the ancient uh, 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 rabbis, I, I, that word sometimes gets me, they believed that a smith, praise God, was more than just a metal worker. They believed that he was one, that a smith was one, they taught that he was, uh, um, you know, uh, of another profession, the one that takes the raw material of human lives and helps them to become what God would have them to be. Listen to this real hard. Ancient Jews believed the smith to be a teacher of the young. Amen. And so the smith was more than just somebody who could take a piece of metal and make it into something, praise God. What the Jews believed was that a smith was a teacher, was somebody who could literally take somebody who's got the raw materials in their life and begin to develop them. And, and I don't mean any, any reflection on me, but I have seen God use me in that way. I have really literally seen God use me in that way. And not that I'm better than you because we're all students. Come on, never forget that in Jesus' name. Now, I wrote this down one time because I thought this was, and this is all preliminaries, okay? Because I got a good lesson for you here for about, for about 20 minutes, okay? But I wrote this down. I don't know if you, re, if you, if you remember this. <laughs> this is kind of good. You know, no pun intended. But we remember 3% of what we hear. 3% of what we hear. That's why, what did he say? What was that? Yeah. In my wife, some mornings, it's about 1%. <laughs> but that's what it is. Now listen to how it goes up. Now, we, we, we remember 3% of what we hear, 15% of what we read. Amen. And so that's why reading is good. But that's becoming a lost art too, isn't it? We just want to hear stuff. Let's get it on tape. Let somebody else do it. But you don't understand what it does. That's why I not only listen to the Bible, but I read the Bible. Praise God. You want to know why? Listen to this. Because we, we, we remember 15% of what we read, 30% of what we see, 40% of what we see and hear. That's why when you combine those two together, you got that percentage going way up. And then 70% of what we say, we remember that, even though a lot of times we don't want to. And then last of all, we, and this, this, I don't know where they got these statistics at, but we remember 90% of what we say and do. 
That's why Christianity is so important, that we don't become a bunch of people that say things. That we don't just become a bunch of people that hear things. Just come to church and hear some good news. And please keep doing that. But if you're not taking this out of this building and putting it in your home, if you're not doing something, praise God, with what you hear, no matter, no, no wonder you're picking up that brass. No wonder you're picking up those things that are a little more convenient. Now come on, I'm not, I'm not trying to be harsh here this morning. I'm trying to help us realize I'm trying to become a smith again this morning. That's what inspired me with this lesson last night as I was studying it, is that God again helped me to understand part of my calling. That this is what you've got to do. Amen. And I've learned to do it in all kinds of opposition. Listen, you know, if you ever want to you know, get frightened to death sometimes, stand behind this pulpit and preach something that's a little bit controversial and watch the eyes of people. I've learned not to pay attention with that kind of stuff and not that I'm better than you. But I'm, I'm going to be a smith. Praise God. I'm going to take on my grandmother's name in the name of Jesus. I'm going to bring stuff into our lives, praise God, that's going to give us some tools that we can begin to fight with. That we can begin to take on the enemy. That we can become victorious in the name of Jesus. That we don't have to sit around and wonder, praise God, what's happening. We can believe God. I believe it would be the will of God for a couple of people just to stand up right now and begin to lift up their voices and say, that's exactly what I I want in the name of Jesus. Come on, I'm not telling you what to do. Mm. Oh, in, in the name of Jesus. Wow, what a deal. What a deal. What a, what a deal what God is doing in the name of Jesus. Oh my goodness. Come on, folks, you don't have to be dejected. You don't have to go home, you know, infl- you know with, you know, all, all out of air. You can really, really get a hold of the things of God. Just begin to recognize what he's doing. That in a great house, and that was Paul's interpretation of the kingdom of God. Come on, you must understand, you know, somebody was asking me today, there are four final places that Scripture gives us. Four final places. Now, whatever happens after that, you know, I just don't, I, I don't know. I, I believe there's going to be all kinds of expansion take place in eternity. But the Bible teaches us in, in, the, you know, in the book of the Revelation, the four final places. There's a new heaven. There's a new earth. There's a new Jerusalem. That's why the great house is going to be New Jerusalem. In a great house, there's vessels, praise God. Unfortunately, the fourth place is the lake of fire. That's where hell and death and everything is going to be thrown into that. What a mess. But I'm not going to be there. And that's not arrogance talking. That is determination. That is destiny, praise God. The Bible says that God is not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. It takes tempered steel to repent. Not some brass sword, praise God, that can get bent out of shape when some preacher gets up and preaches something your flesh don't like. Come on, you got to quit. You must understand the British recognize something. That when those, or not British, but the Romans recognize every time they would retreat and have to bend back those swords, they were given up precious territory. And that's what some people are doing in the kingdom of God. They're giving up things. And I'm here to tell you, you don't have to do that anymore. You can begin to touch the, 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 the hymn of God. You can begin to touch the throne of 
God and you can get a hold of something, praise God, that's going to stay and remain in the name of Jesus. Now come on, somebody here needs to get that kind of determination in the name of Jesus. This is not for a bunch of wimps. This is not for the faint-hearted. But you can learn not to be those things. You can learn not to be those things. You can learn, praise God, that in the name of Jesus, I'm going to take it from here on out. I'm going to let God speak to my heart in Jesus' name. And I'll tell you what's going to happen to you. I'll tell you what's going to happen to you. Look at 2 Peter chapter number 3. 2 Peter chapter number 3. And I'll tell you what's going to begin to happen to you, um, you know, almost immediately in Jesus' name. Now the second um, book of... um, Uh, Peter is a book of remembrance. Peter reiterates some of the stuff that he was telling them about and some of the experiences that he had. had. And in the third chapter there, he's he's talking about the fact that there's going to be people who are going to come and they're going to mock this. They're going to say, oh yeah, you've been telling us about Jesus coming back for years. Oh yeah, you people think that you're holier than thou and all that. Scoffers, that's what the Bible refers to. And they're people who mock things. Amen. And I don't like being around people like that. I don't even like it when I become that. Amen. I don't. It's, not, it's, it's a waste of energy. And so he's warning people about that. And he's telling people that the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some people count sla- uh, slackness, but that he is long-suffering. That's why you and I are, are, are so privileged right now. Even as fallen creatures, we fall under the economy of a long-suffering God. That's what we are. Now, that doesn't mean that God's going to let everything just get swept under a carpet. It just means that God is waiting for people to come to Him. And sometimes I get tired of that, you know, but that's the way it is. God waited a long time for me to come. And so thank you, Jesus. We should, we, we should return the favor. That's what we should do. Amen. And so here you are, you know, he's talking about the fact that, and that's where that scripture comes in, and that God is not willing that any should perish. The word perish means to be utterly destroyed. That means there's nothing left. You can't revive that. You can't bring that one back. People who go into the lake of fire will perish. Amen. That's a whole lot different than dying. It is. And so you and I must recognize, praise God, that God's trying to save the world from that. Literally, that's what he's trying to do. Your neighbors deserve to hear about the loving kindness of God. They need to see it through you. They need to see people, praise God, that will fight battles and not get bitter. Praise God. That's what your neighbors need to see. Praise God. And that's not give a show projector. That is doing what God wants us to do in this life. But then finally, praise God, at the last verse, he says, what's the alternative here? I mean, all this stuff is going to happen whether you like it or not. You can go on a 16-day fast if you want, and this stuff is still going to come out there. And I'm not being a prophet of doom. I'm just telling you, you and I are going to have to deal with this stuff. But even in the midst of all of that, look at verse 18, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 18. It says, but grow in grace. Everybody say, grow in grace. What a simple lesson. What a simple lesson, praise God. The Bible says, and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to Him be glory both now and forever. That's one of the reasons, you know, if I'm going to be, stay a smith, I'm going to have to put Jesus first. He's the one that you're going to have to see up here, not me. He's, you're going to have to see Him. If you ever want to be an effective teacher, and I believe that there's many of you that really desire that, you're going to have to learn to put Jesus out there. Put Jesus right on the forefront.
forefront, praise God. Let everybody know that he's the one, praise God. I have no confidence in my flesh. I have all the confidence in the world in what God can do in the name of Jesus. And that's not just some wishful thinking pipe dreams or whatever the case is. That is knowledge, praise God. My God can move mountains, praise God. My God can heal diseases. I don't care how many of them, praise God, we pray for and it doesn't happen. I'm going to keep praying because I know my God can do it in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody right here today, you need to get that wick, that wick lit again, praise God, because God's got some special things for you in this life. Come on, let's quit wasting it all on this negativity in the name of Jesus. He's going to do it, praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, I need about a 15-second break, so just go ahead and lift up your hands right now. Oh, hallelujah. My. Wow. 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 This is just getting better and better, folks. From this perspective, it is. I can see it. Some people here are receiving this. You're receiving grace in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. But there's the $64,000 question. What is it? Grace. What is that? Yeah, you ever find that? Well, yeah, I like the words. I like the way he's talking and all that stuff. But what are you talking about? Well, let me give you a good definition, okay? Let me give you a good scriptural definition of grace. Turn in your Bible. Well, you get up on the screen now. Um, Titus. Titus. What a name, huh? Yeah, Titus. He had a book named after him. Praise God, don't see no books of Steve in here, do you? Yeah. My mom didn't ask me what to call me. She just said, okay, yeah, here he is, yeah. yeah. But Titus, oh my goodness. And in those three chapters, there's a lot of stuff. And these are, these are letters that are primarily lit, written to the church. People who have already accepted the fact that you must be born again. Not because the church says it. Not because somebody out there is preaching it on the corner. But because Jesus said it. You must be born again. And they figure that one out. The watering of the Spirit, praise God. And I'm not into shoving that down people's throat, but praise God, that's the first step. If you want to see, the word see there in the, in the third chapter of the book of John literally means to comprehend. If you want to comprehend the kingdom of God, you've got to be born again. And that's not an ultimatum, that's an invitation. If you want to walk in the kingdom of God down in this world right now, you've got to be born again. That's just the way it is. And I'm, I don't argue with that anymore. That's just the presentation that I know I need to continually make. You know, Jesus told his disciples in, in Matthew chapter 28, Go ye therefore into all the world and teach them. Teach them what? Teach them they need to be baptized. Then after they see the need of being baptized, they will. How do you know that? Well, the second chapter of the book of Acts says, they that gladly received the word were baptized. Gladly. Not the ones that went back and said, well, I'm going to try to find a loophole here. No, they were ones that just said, I'm going to receive the word. And they were. That's how simple it is, folks. Receiving means to accept. That's what it means. And I understand you can't force people to do that. But sooner or later, you've got to come to that same crossroads that I did. Either you're going to accept the word of God or you're not. And that's where faith comes in. Because you don't have to accept the Word of God with a clear, great understanding. What you and I have to do first is we have to accept the Word by faith. 
I had no idea all that baptism had entailed when I went down in that tank in that October afternoon in Dubuque, Iowa. Had no idea. But boy, I just said, by faith, I'm going to do it. And so think about that. Growing in grace doesn't negate faith. We must learn to operate by faith. The Bible says walk by faith and not by sight. Okay? And so here you are, Titus chapter number 2, and it says in verse number 11. Now we're not talking about any grace here. Right away we're talking about for the grace of God. And I hope you're interested in that stuff. What about the grace of God? That bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. What does that mean? It's already available. Grace is already there. You don't have to sit here and beg for it and say, Oh God, no, God's already made that available. He's already made grace available, praise God. Now what does grace do? Now the definition of what it does will help us to understand what it is. What's grace doing here? Well, look at verse number 12. What's one of the greatest functions of grace? There you go. Grace is a smith. Grace is a smith. It's not going to let you pick up that, or no, I take that back. It's going to caution you about picking up that bronze, that brass. It's going to say, no, there's something better over here. If you'll just do that. It's going to teach you. Praise God. Now the big question you must ask yourself, and I have to ask myself this, I asked myself last night before I went to bed, am I teachable? Can God teach me something? Ooh, that's, a, that's not a soup can question, is it? I'm telling you folks, I, I ask myself that, not every day, but on a regular basis. I'm all the time saying, God, show me. God, show me. And you know, all the time, God's saying, well, if you get to a place where I could. And I'm not trying to be funny or facetious here, folks. I'm just trying to make a point. Come on, examine yourself. Do you walk by faith? Examine yourself. Do, are you willing to obey the Scriptures? Come on, that's, I'm not going to answer that for you any more than you can answer it for me. So what does grace do? Grace teaches. What does it teach? It teaches us that denying ungodliness. See, it's the grace of God that's telling you you don't have to go there or drink that or or do that stuff. That's grace. Come on. It says denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Go ahead and dissect those words. Go ahead, go ahead, get yourself a concordance and study what do those words mean. And, by the way, start applying them. Start applying them to your life. Not because everybody else is. Because we live in a world where a lot of folks aren't. But you start applying them because you're getting tired of the bronze. You're getting tired of bent swords. You're getting tired of retreating and trying to get these things bent back into shape and I'm losing precious ground. I'm getting sick and tired of that kind of stuff. Come on, I want to preach to a couple of people here today that are getting just sick and tired of being sick and tired. That you want to see something move in your life called the Spirit of God in the name of Jesus. And I'm here to tell you it can happen. Oh, hallelujah. And it will happen, praise God. Oh, hallelujah. I'm a smith. Come by it honestly. I can show you my tree. Praise God. You get two generations you know, down the road from me, and there's a name called Smith, so I come by it honestly. Praise God. Now, it's not just all doing things. 
Now, I'm talking about grace. We're talking about the grace of God. Somebody asked a question, what is it? Well, here it is. It's teaching you to do certain things. And then in verse number, number um, uh, 13, it's teaching us to look for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you see what it's doing? You and I, we can, we can spend our time, man, looking for God. Hallelujah. And that's what some people have lost sight of. You know, they did that in the first century. You've got to understand, one of the reasons why they congregated in the city of Jerusalem one of the reasons they did that is because they were under the impression that Jesus was coming right back. He was coming back within a couple of weeks. Well, I go down memory lane, man, back in the middle 70s when you guys got a hold of me and started teaching me this stuff. You know, you were telling me, man, the Lord's coming back. And I was getting excited, man. I just got in the front door right in time, you know. And I'm thinking, boy, by the end of the month, you know, at least. And then he didn't show up, you know, and by the end of the year, I'm going, my goodness. And I got in in October. So I thought by the end of the year, surely. You know, but it didn't happen. So what did, that, what did grace have to do? Come back in and start tempering some steel, some longevity steel. Praise God. And this is what God is beginning to do in Jesus' name in our, in our day, in the day that you and I are living in. He's putting some, some tools in people's hands. Not people who, who, who the world would say, man, alive, yeah, they should really have it. You know, I'm not talking about the UPCI royalty. And I don't mean that in any, any way. Every group's got their little royalty. And one of the things I learned the first year I was in the church, I'm not part of that royalty. You talk about, you know, I was just this, this, this rock and roll hippie, man. I still had a leather fringe coat when I came into the church. I mean to tell you, I was walking around, man, like some, you know, and, and these people were looking at me saying, well, you will see how long this guy lasts, you know. Yeah, well, this guy, he went from the back pew, he, and he went to the middle. And then I spent a few months in the middle, and bless God, I ended up in the front, praise God. Because I realized that's where the action was. And I'm going to tell you something, that's where I stayed in the name of Jesus. And the, the grace taught me, get up there and pay attention to what God is doing. Don't, don't be so concerned about everybody else. That doesn't mean you don't love people. It just means that some people, you know, they just got to come to the same realization that you did. Amen. What's the old adage? A good idea becomes a great idea when people are ready. And when people are ready to receive the things of God, oh, I'm telling you something, folks, anything can happen. And I'm looking into the eyes of people. I wish I could see you guys online, but I can't, you know. But i got to believe there's a, there's a few people out there that are they're looking for something. You're not looking for some program. You're looking for the power of God in your life. I'm reading another book, I, uh, I think it's the second or third time I've read it. Uh, if, if you want to know a good author, a good author, good communicator, I, I don't know, he's an author too, but I think he's more of a communicator than an author. His name is David K. Bernard. I know I've rung his bell a few times and I don't worship him. <laughs> I do not, I do not. I just appreciate him. You know, when I was on the general board, I met him, and, and right away you could tell the guy had a tremendous spirit, you know. But I got a hold of his books here about 10, 15, maybe 20 years ago and started reading them. And I'm in the process of reading another one right now. It's called Growing a Church. And I'm always interested in that because I'm a smith. How do we do this? You know, and I realize that, you know, some places in the country, they have, you know, different things going on. But he talks about in this book, he talks about seven apostolic principles 
that I thought really are, 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 are tremendous. And I've read these before. And what they are is the seven principles are prayer, planning, persistence, preaching and teaching, the power of the Spirit, personal care, and personal involvement. Now, the book's about that thick, so I mean, I'm not going to try to sit here and teach that whole thing to you this morning. I'm just introducing the thought again, like I did for me this week. I introduced that thought again. I said, God, you know, we need to get back to growing. We need to get, get back to doing some things, and I realize that part of that is me. Look in the mirror and talk to yourself, you know? People like to follow people who are growing. They do. There's just something about that. People who are stagnant, people who are just, well, you know, we've been doing this for 35 years, now we might as well continue to do it for another 160, right? Well, yeah, you don't get a whole lot of confidence with that. You know, you like people, and I'm not talking about changing God's Word. I'm talking, let's get going. Let's quit talking about a few things and let's do some things in Jesus' name. By the way, thank you guys. I don't know who all is involved. I went, I come here to clean the church yesterday and I saw that flower bed. That looks good. Whoever's doing that, man, keep doing it. You're hired. Yeah, we'll double your wages. <laughs> you get the same wage I get for cleaning the church, you know. But the bottom line is, and who did those weeds back there? Did you do them? Man alive. That was, my goodness. That was really cool. I like that. I appreciate that. I really want you to know I appreciate that, you know. That's part of grace. Realizing that, hey, there's such stuff that needs to be done around here. And I really appreciate that. And I'm not trying to make the rest of you feel bad. I'm just saying, you know, that last one, number seven, personal involvement. You'd be surprised how that one will take you into another dimension. If you'll just start getting involved in some things that don't always have your name at the top. Wow, there are certain things that can happen. Personal care is another one of those things. Take care of yourself. I'm not just talking about physically, although that is important, especially when you get older, folks. You know, nobody else is going to do it for you. You know, you got to do that, praise God. And then recognizing the power of the Spirit, praise God. The preaching and teaching and persistence. Oh my goodness, that one we got to all learn how to do. But the one I want to take about five or ten minutes on this morning of those seven is one that I kind of fall back on sometimes and I'm talking to myself here and that is planning planning I'm not saying I don't plan you know when you wear as many hats as I have to wear especially in the summertime you got to plan you know I mean between my wife and I I don't know if you know this or not but in the last eight days we got we 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 fixed 160 horns somebody ought to be just whoa that don't mean nothing to any of you. I know it doesn't, you know. But listen to me, folks. You don't do that by getting up in the morning and saying, well, maybe I'll just go to work or something like that. No, you've got to plan for that kind of stuff. Now, the reason I, I gave you that example is you guys aren't fixing horns, but you're doing something. There's something going on in your life, praise God, that you're going to have to prepare for. And quit complaining, you know. Just get to it. Do a good job. That's a lot of what will happen will help lift our spirits. Amen. And I understand I, I, I don't I, that I understand that I don't understand all that's going on in your life. But I do know that all of us can rise up a little bit. And we can get a better attitude, praise God, about what we're doing. Now watch this. Planning. I want you to turn to the 14th chapter of the book of Luke. 
I've been giving you a lot here today, but you're smart people, you're absorbing, and there's many of you that are going to go out of here and you're going to say and you're going to do. And so you're going to remember. You're going to remember. You know, I haven't used this phrase for a while, but you're going to remember that mouthy little preacher, man, isn't all that bad. Yeah, praise God. Well, let's, let's kind of come to some kind of a conclusion here today that will unhook the plow. And I'm going to conclude with the 14th chapter of the book of Luke. Amen now. Again, remember those seven apostolic principles. Prayer, planning, persistence, preaching and teaching, power of the Spirit, personal care, and personal involvement. If you need to, me to tell you what they are, I will. I've got them written down myself. But look at, let's, let's talk about planning for just a, the last few minutes here that we have in this class. And again, I thank you for coming. I, do, I feel very, 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 very little resistance here. And I'm talking about in the Spirit. I, I mean that. That's, that's, that's good. That's a good thing. Praise God. Many of you, I know you weren't expecting this when you came, you know, but you're not resisting it. You're saying, yeah, he's right. Yeah. And so that's good. Not because I'm saying it, but because you're recognizing this as a smith that is called from God. And I want you to start recognizing this week the brass in your life. Start recognizing it. Amen. And realize that that doesn't have anything to do with your, fight, your, your will to fight. It has to do with you don't have the right tools. And you're getting frustrated. And some of you are getting defeated. And God wants to end that in the name of Jesus. He wants to give you victory in Jesus' name. Now, the 14th chapter of the book of Luke has to do with um, um, evangelizing. It has to do with, you know, people who are rejecting God's word. You know, people who, well, I got this yoke of oxen that I need to try out, or I got this that I need to go to, and all that kind of stuff. I'm not talking to people like that here. You're here. You've made room for God in your life, and I commend that. Keep doing that. Keep getting up every morning and say, I'm going to make room for God in my life. I'm not going to let TV and radio and somebody else's opinion become the, the, the big factor. I'm going to let God become the thing in my life. Come on, you can do this. You're built to do this. And so Jesus, recognizing that there were people that were always around that wanted a free lunch, here's what he does. Look at verse 25, 14 and 25. I don't know if I'll have a chance to read to the end of the chapter, but you do that, and you'll remember some stuff. The Bible says, And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them. So Jesus is addressing the crowd. And the Bible says, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life, also he cannot be my disciple. Wow, you talk about lowering the boom. He's, I mean, this is, to a lot of people, this is radical. Now, to the, to, the, to the first look at this, we think, hate? No, if you've got to study that word out, then the word actually means to love less. That's what it means. And so Jesus is saying, if you want growth in your life, that's what we're talking about now. Grow in grace. We already got a pretty good definition of what grace is going to do. And so if you want this to happen, you're going to have to love some things less. I'm not telling you not to love people. I'm just saying you're going to have to learn and I have to learn on a regular basis to love God more than anything else. Jesus taught that. A lawyer came to him one day and says, what's the greatest commandment? 
Yeah. Jesus said, well, my goodness, 613 of them, which one do you want? No, I'll give you, I'll, I'll sum them all up for you. Love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. There you go. There's the template. Now, we need God's grace in our life to do that. It ain't going to happen no other way. And so then he says, in verse number 27, he says, And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. There it is. I'm telling you folks, it's as plain as a nose on your face. There are things that you and I have to start planning to do if they're going to happen. Because he gives us some great examples here. Verse 28, For which of you intending to build a tower sitting, sitteth not down first? And here's part of planning. Count the cost. What's this going to cost me? I've said all along to people, I meet people every week, you know, of different degrees with their walk with God, and, and, and that's just the way it is. But you know, first thing, you know, we, we have to understand, praise God, is that salvation, the grace of God that bringeth salvation, hath appeared unto all men. What does that mean? That didn't cost you or I anything. God did it for nothing. He brought His grace that teaches us what we need to do for nothing. But now we get into the place where stuff is going to start, going to start costing us. Some, sometimes, you know, we get into cliches. How are you doing, Brother Carnahan? Oh, great! When, man, things are disastrous in my life. And I've got to be careful that you don't lie. You don't get into a place where you start becoming so diplomatic that it's edging over to lying. And I'm not saying, oh, things are horrible. Oh, my God. You know, you've got to have a little restraint. You know, I'm, I'm Smith, right? I should be able to burn my hand a few times and not, get, you know, rub it off, you know, that type of thing. But what I've learned is in life is that there's two areas of my life that are constant going on. And you want to know what those areas are? They're right here, right here in the 14th chapter. Building and battling. Those are two constants. And listen to me, saint, the same goes for you. If you decide to lay that hammer down and you just take a two or six month tour of doing your own little thing, the project isn't going to get any, you're not going to come back to that thing six months from now and say, oh, didn't somebody finish it for me? There's no welfare in the kingdom of God. Come on, you got to get involved in this thing. Come on, that's what we talked about, personal involvement. If you want to grow in grace, you've got to take that grace and begin to apply it to your life. And so the Bible says the first thing the guy does if he's going to build is he's got to count the cost. Another example, praise God. Look at verse number 29. And underline this in your Bible if you can. It says, Lest happily after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him. Listen to me, folks. God is a finisher. That's what He wants you to learn to do, is to finish some things. Some of you might have some aspirations for this local church to do some things. Well, finish it. Don't expect me to come and pat you on the back every five minutes and tell you how great of a person you are. Why don't you show me what you mean? That's what I'm talking about. Now I got a little rough there. But I reserved that at least once or twice during a sermon. Come on, somebody needs to think about that. 
Quit sucking your thumb and expect us to just powder your nose and put a bunch of pillows on that chair to make it more comfortable for you. Come on, you're in the same world we are. You're fighting the same devil we are. You're fighting the same feelings we are. Come on, why don't you join us? Why don't you get to the prayer room? Why don't you get reading your Bible? Why don't you come to church in the name of Jesus and do the things of God? Ooh. That's it. Last of the out, the out, the outbreak, or whatever the case is. I don't get a chance to preach to you tonight, ladies. You're going to have to do it on your own. But the Bible says, the other thing is, what what person is going to come against this enemy? And they're going to say, "My goodness, there's twenty thousand of them. What do I got to do?" Well, I'll tell you what you got to do. Get rid of the brass in your life and start putting some tempered steel in that hand called the Word of God and start recognizing, praise God, I'm not going to get any further in this, but I'll tell you something, folks. God is, is wanting to do something for some people here. And you, you ha- you've got such a great spirit. I'm telling you, like I told you before, there's very little resistance here. People are here, want to be here, praise God. And that's a good start. Now just continue in that light in Jesus' name. Sister Keisha, she does such a great job of leading our songs in Jesus' name. But she led us in a song here that I thought, man alive, we're going to have to sing that one again. And I'm going to do that, praise God, before we just end this in Jesus' name. Amen. Here I am. Praise God. So let's, let's respond to God's Word here. If you want to come down to this altar, if you want to uh, kneel by your chair, if you want to do something that maybe will give some commitment to what has been said, I give you permission to do that in Jesus' name. Here I am, Lord. Here I am. I give all myself to you, Lord. Here I am. Here I am, Lord, here I am. Just let your spirit move through me, Lord, because here I am. Come on, can you feel something happening in your life right now? I hope you can. 